Well, welcome family and friends, wherever you find yourself this weekend, we are so grateful that you are joining us this weekend to worship. You know, it is a gift that we have the opportunity to gather, even though we're apart, to worship together on weekends like this. You know, as a church, we are passionate about connecting people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. And we truly believe that if we do those very things, that we can experience life and life to the full, the life that Jesus came to offer us. And really, that's what this last month has been about as we've been pressing into this life in circles journey. This weekend is a significant weekend as we have the opportunity to gather together and to bear witness, to get a front row seat into the work that God is doing in the lives of his people. You see, this weekend is our river baptism weekend. And it's an opportunity that we have every summer as the Heritage family to gather together and to celebrate what God is doing in the midst of his people. In fact, this weekend, we have nearly 30 people already registered and ready to take that next step of obedience into the waters of baptism. I mean, praise God. Every single one of those people, those men, women, and children have a story. They have a story how they've encountered Jesus, how their lives have been transformed. And I have to tell you, hearing those stories never gets old. In fact, I wanna share one of those stories with you. It's uh, the story of my friend, Morgan. Now Morgan is, is a teenage girl, and I just wanna share this story of how she encountered Jesus and how her life is different. Listen to this story. It says, Morgan grew up going to church with her family and understood who God was at a young age. But after being diagnosed with type one diabetes, she struggled to believe that God existed and felt like he had abandoned her. But over the past year, God has revealed to Morgan that he has a plan and a purpose for her life and that he loves her. She has discovered that God's word is alive and in her. And she now knows that God is using her in her journey to help others who may be struggling. And today, or this weekend, Morgan is ready to take this next step of obedience in her faith by stepping in to the waters of baptism. I mean, what a powerful story. And in many ways, her story reflects our story, where you and I navigate this life and challenges come and curveballs come our way. And we get to a place where we just quite simply go, God, I just don't know that you're there. I don't know that you exist. But what I love about Morgan's story is that that wasn't the end of it, but that she encountered Jesus in this last year, that he has transformed her, transformed how she's thought about her circumstances. And now she is an active part of bringing hope and healing to others and those around her. You see, our God is doing amazing things. And it's stories like Morgan and the other 29 who will celebrate alongside this weekend that breathes hope and life into us. Because just like them, you and I can be free to live because of Jesus. You know, one of the things that we celebrate is that the Heritage family is one church in multiple locations. And I have to tell you, over the last few months, as each of us individually and collectively have had, had to make changes to our rhythms and our lives in response to COVID-19, that we are so proud of you. You see, as a church family, we have had moments where we've worshiped together, although apart in our homes. We've, we've gathered together in outdoor gatherings to worship and to pray and to encourage one another. We've loved and served our cities by, by being a tangible representation to Jesus in many spaces throughout our cities and in the lives of people. And, and even the last couple of weeks, we've had an opportunity to gather in person at our Rock Island and Bettendorf campuses. And I have to tell you, those moments were powerful. But as we look to move forward, as, as we've taken a look at some of the surveys that came in from those of you who are a part of those in-person gatherings, and as we've interacted with government and health officials, uh, we think this is a unique opportunity for us to live out what we've been talking about for months now, that we are indeed more together. And so if you've been connecting online or on Cozy, uh, know that in the weeks ahead, our services are gonna continue on those venues. But starting July 19th, as we gather in person, we're actually gonna gather in person as one body, as one church. And we're gonna do that at our Rock Island campuses. So starting next Sunday, July 19th at 9 and 11 a.m., we're gonna gather together as one church. 
in one location in those in-person gatherings. And we simply are doing that at Rock Island because it's our largest space. As our commitment has been to you every part of this journey, we wanna create space that is safe that's secure, where we can practice social distancing and, and best practices in regards to sanitation and, and spacing. And the Rock Island campus provides us the best opportunity to do that. And so I wanna invite you, starting next Sunday, if you are in a place where you're ready to engage and jump into those in-person gatherings, to join us as we gather together. You can get more information at heritageqc.com. You can register there as you have the last couple weeks or even on our Church Center app. And I invite you to do that because these are gonna be great moments for us to gather together as a church as we look forward to what God has ahead of us uh, coming in the season ahead after hopefully we can put COVID-19 in the rearview mirror. Our plan is to, to practice that and to worship together at the Rock Island campus through the month of August. And so like I said, there'll be more details to come, but I wanna invite you to come and to be part of that. This is an exciting season for us as a church. As we step into worship today, I wanna to invite you even now to prepare your heart, to prepare your mind for what God has for you today. You see, we're gonna sing a song, Welcome the Healer. And as we step into this song, into this weekend's worship, may we be a people that just cry out to Jesus to declare he is our healer. And so let's worship now as we welcome him.
Wasted in the trial and the change The one thing remains Your love never fails and never gives up Never runs out on me Your love never fails and never gives up Never runs out on me Your love never fails and never gives up Never runs out on me Your love And on and on and on and on it goes And it overwhelms and satisfies my soul And I never ever have to be a type of prayer that has roots as far back as the 1500s. It's called the Prayer of Examine, and it's a reflective prayer that helps still our soul and provides space for us to review and examine recent thoughts, emotions, and actions. 
This rhythm gives us permission to truly feel our emotions and to process our thoughts about present circumstances in the loving presence of Holy Spirit. To begin, I want to just invite you to take a few slow, deep breaths and become aware that Holy Spirit is with you and that you are in sacred space. first step of a prayer of examine is thanksgiving. Take a moment to reflect on this statement and spend some time quietly extending gratefulness to God. What am I especially grateful for right now? Next, we move to a time of petition for the light and wisdom of God to provide illumination for our souls. Quietly pray through this statement. I ask for the light to know God and to know myself as God sees me. examine now leads us to a time of review. We have asked for God's light. Now we ask God to help us examine our thoughts, emotions, and actions through these questions of review. Where have I felt true joy today? What has troubled me today? What has challenged me? Am I masking or hiding any wounds? Is there any hidden sin in my life? Do I need to make amends in any relationship? Where have I noticed God's presence in my life? Spend a few moments quietly working through these questions with the Lord's help. Finally, the prayer of examine concludes by helping us lean forward looking at how this time should change us and shape us. Quietly reflect upon these questions. In light of my review, what is my response to the God of my life? Where do I need to receive God's healing? As I look ahead, with what spirit do I want to enter tomorrow? We pray all of these things in the name of the Father, in the name of His Son, Jesus, and in the name of Holy Spirit, amen. friends. I'm so honored to get to be a part of the Life in Circles conversation that we've been having together. You know, there's an invitation for all of us in this Life in Circles journey to begin to understand in a deeper way how we reflect the image of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, as we live in greater connection to this reality that we are created as body, mind, and spirit also three in one. And so there's a great wonder and complexity to this truth that all of us need to wrestle with, you know, because each one of us, I think we, we tend to drift towards one sphere of engagement a little bit more strongly than the other. And so for some of us, we're very aware of our bodies, but there might be less of an awareness of, of our mind and spirit and less of an attention uh, paid to that. And so 
this Life in Circles journey has really been about looking at how Father, Son, and Spirit reflect a circle of relationship that we mirror in our individual lives as body, mind, and spirit. You know, a few weeks ago when Pastor Sean brought the message to us, he shared with us 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 to 24. And I just want to remind us of this because I think that this is a um, just a pivotal scripture in how our posture should be as we continue to surrender to the work of Holy Spirit in our lives. It says this, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. And I think that scripture is so hopeful, especially for the days that we live in. This reminder that our master, King Jesus, is returning and that he's completely dependable. And so if he said he, re- he will return, he will. And if he said he will do work in us to bring us into greater healing in our bodies, our souls, and our spirits, he will do that also. Last week, Pastor Jeremiah reminded us of the importance of community, but also the reality that engaging in community comes with opportunity. It's high risk and high reward when we engage in community. And as I was listening to him, I I loved his illustration of the agitator in the washing machine. Now, now many of us have front-loading washers where you pull it open and there's no agitator inside and the clothes rubbing on the clothes is what actually brings the cleaning. But back in the day, washing machines were, were top loaders and they had an agitator inside. And this agitator was what would, would turn, and it would turn rather vigorously to sort of beat the clothes uh, to get them clean. And as he was talking about that, and I knew that this week we would be talking about life in circles and the healing that comes as we engage in a circle of connection with each other, I thought, let's go back to that agitator. And and I wanna encourage you, if you've missed any of the conversations in our Life in Circles journey, or if you haven't been using our booklet, you can download the booklet. You can catch up by going to heritageqc.com and clicking watch and just sort of walking along with us because this conversation has been so foundational uh, for the season that we're in and for what we believe God is inviting us into um, in our next. But so this agitator that Pastor Jeremiah talked about, I thought, you know, I think it's really important that we acknowledge that each one of us has an agitator in our lives. Each one of us is going to come in contact with something. And for some of us, it's repeated contact with that thing, that immovable object that we will, that we will come into, into connection with and it will, it will, it will hurt us. It will wound us. It will break us. And so, It's so important, though, that we acknowledge um, where we have been wounded. You know, um, one of the principles of healing that I personally experienced is this. We can't heal what we can't feel. Or John Eldridge talks about it this way. A wound not healed or a wound not felt is a wound not healed. You know, many of us spend a lot of time in our lives masking our wounds. And, and I think particularly in these days, many of us may be more aware of our wounds than ever, the brokenness inside of us, the brokenness around us, um, and perhaps feel even more helpless than ever to actually bring healing to those spaces. I think frustration and anger that many of us um, are feeling and having to c- confront Um, is just, it's more present. Um, I think part of that is because we've had to slow down. Um, And so whenever we slow down, we pay attention usually a little bit more to our feelings. Um, Some of us have had things propping us up. Maybe it's been our job or relationship that's been removed in this season. And so we're having to confront the pain around us. Or for others of us, as we've seen the brokenness in our neighborhoods and in our own communities, we've had new eyes to see that and to experience it and to um, really just become aware of it in a new way. And so talking about the invitation to healing is an obvious response 
when we become so aware of our need for healing from the fractures that we live in. And so as we lean into this conversation about healing, I want to frame just a bit that healing is available to us in our bodies, in our minds, and in our spirits. There is a physical and mental, emotional, social, relational, spiritual component to the healing that is available in this life. Now, God can work through the power of his Holy Spirit to bring healing in an instant, in a miraculous intervention. And sometimes, sometimes he does that. And it's awesome to see and to bear witness to. But I think more often healing comes in an invitation to walk a specific path. And that it doesn't show up as just a place to arrive to, but it's actually an invitation to a journey. You see, a life transformed by complete surrender to Jesus is just the beginning of a healing journey. Healing often has to be worked out in the space of community. And so for our purposes today, we're going to talk about that in the context of a circle. And so a circle provides the space of connection and orientation that is protective enough to allow us to face inward and to feel and to be connected to and to be with and to do life with people. We talk about it like this at Heritage and we talk about being more together than we are apart because we believe that we were not made to do life alone. Scripture's full of references to the power of what the connection um, that can exist between believers is and talks about in Ecclesiastes. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Iron sharpening iron. So just, just like that happens, so one person sharpens another. Colossians 3 and verses 13 and 14 says this, Bear with each other and forgive one another. For if any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. But here's the thing, friends. I don't think we get to that space of love and unity that I think we we really all desire without bringing vulnerability into that space. And and one of the best word pictures that I can think of to describe vulnerability is, is this. Brené Brown talks about it this way. She talks about having a soft front and a hard back. And so if you picture a group of people in a circle, the inward facing, the soft part of them is oriented towards each other. But collectively on the outside, they bring their hard backs, which protect the integrity of that circle. And then in that circle, then there's space as we bring our honest, authentic selves to experience healing. But here's a word of caution in Proverbs 12, verse 18. It says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Friends, the words that we say to each other have the power to heal or the power to destroy. And so when we're in, when we're in a circle, there's really a sacredness to that space. And there has to be a willingness to honor the people um, who are there and the people who are bringing uh, whatever their soft front allows them to bring. And then for us to speak words that are giving life and that are healing and that are encouraging. You see, Jesus Jesus was all about the work of healing. We're familiar with Luke chapter four, where Jesus stands up in the temple and he picks up the scroll and it's the scroll of Isaiah 61. And I love that there is no coincidence here that the scroll of the day happened to be the scroll of Isaiah 61. And this is the passage that Jesus uses to really inaugurate, to announce his ministry that is going to begin in full force um, going forward from that day. And so we're going to read from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. Now this is Isaiah, and he's, he's using these words, and he's talking to the people of Israel. And so there is a, there's a social, communal, relational component to the words that Isaiah is speaking, but there's also deep spiritual 
uh, truth and hope that he's offering. But even as Isaiah is saying these words that speak to the people of Israel, he's pointing to Jesus and that Jesus is coming as the Messiah and that Jesus will be the fulfillment of these things. And then as we, as we listen to these words and we think about Jesus saying them in the temple, I believe that Jesus is also inviting us into that work of healing and restoration that he began with his arrival on the scene. So hear the words of the Lord, Isaiah 61, starting in verse one. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You see, when Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God in his coming, he was demonstrating the possibility of healing in this age, a healing that would ultimately be fully realized in the age to come. And so we saw that Jesus healed the sick and he raised the dead and he demonstrated authority over the created order when he calmed the storms. All of these things were done though in the context of relationship. There was an impact on people for what Jesus was doing. Friends, freedom for captives, that can be looked at and experienced in a physical way, a relational way, a mental way, in the spiritual realm. You see, the the words that Jesus is talking about have implications spiritually, absolutely, but there's also a physical, tangible reality to what Jesus is inviting us to be a part of. You see, the kingdom is here because of the coming of God and Christ and the work of the spirit that continues in this age. However, people, we know they still get sick and they die and they're subjected to to the unwieldy, crazy world that we live in. And so we encounter brokenness and ashes and mourning and despair. We encounter all of that here, but we, if we are Christ followers, we are invited to be agents of reconciliation, ambassadors of healing and hope, and we get to be a part of placing a crown of beauty on someone's head, of bringing comfort where there has been mourning, of ushering in praise in the midst of despair, and living lives that point to the splendor of the Almighty King. We're invited to be a part of the kingdom that Christ is already building, the now and the not yet kingdom of God that will only be fully experienced in the restoration of all things when Christ returns and he is dependable and he will do it. Now we're gonna sit for just a few minutes in these words of Isaiah 61 and I would invite you to just allow Holy Spirit to, to speak to you um, the truth that Holy Spirit wants to convict you of or challenge you in or encourage you with. And, and we're gonna listen to the words of a song that talks about, about healing and where healing really starts. And so I just invite you to sit in this space um, together with us as we allow uh, Holy Spirit to speak. thought you had to keep this up all the work that you do so we think that you're good and you can't believe it's not enough all the walls you built up are just glass on the outside so let them fall down this freedom waiting in the sound when you let your walls fall to the ground
is where the healing begins. Oh, this is where the healing starts. When you come to where you've broken within, the light meets the dark. to be in a, in a place, in an environment like this, where you can look around and you can see, uh, see the foundation, see the walls that, that used to support something. And, and there's an opportunity to wonder, what, what was this space? What did it used to be? Where did it come from? And, and then some people can look at a space like this and they can see the potential of what it can be restored um, or renewed or, or brought back to life in, in a new function, in a new way. And I think really um, that work of restoration and renewal, this would be too much for me by myself to take this brick and, and rebuild all of this by myself. But together, together work like this becomes a joy in the context of community. And I, and I think this is the work that Jesus was really inviting us into when he read from Isaiah 61, when Isaiah said those words and invited us to be a part of, of renewing, um, renewing the, the walls that had been bro- broken down and restoring the streets and, and seeing the cities even renewed. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and of peace will be with you. So full restoration sounds great, but how do we experience that? Friends, that path forward into restoration leads us into a circle, that soft front and hard back where we can bring ourselves into the space and begin to be known. Because you see, to be known is to be loved. You know, there's a word that I came across recently, and it's a Zulu term that has no English equivalent in the dictionary. And it's this word, sawubona, which means I see you. And this is more than just the physical seeing someone and recognizing them. Um, This is, is seeing the fullness of a person, their hopes, their dreams, their potential, um, where they come from and where they're going. 
You know, and this is something that we're, we're not really good at um, in our culture. We're not practiced at it. But I think that for all of us to become a better, safer community circle for each other, this is something that we really, we really need to lean into. You see, spiritual community is one of the most beautiful and sacred spaces to experience that kind of being known, where you are forward-facing, looking into the eyes of another, and they say, Saubona, I see you. You are known and you are loved. This is how God loves us, and this is how he invites us to love each other. But this requires safety and respect and honesty and confidentiality, and it requires wisdom to know when those spaces have been created. You know, recently, um, it was just in November, but honestly, it feels like a lifetime ago, before all of this COVID stuff hit and everything was locked down, uh, Sean and I were able to go to Haiti together. And while we were there, we were invited into a circle of conversation with a group of young women Um, who had experienced great loss and hurt and wounding. The agitators in their life had been things like being sold by their parents, being abandoned at a young age, being orphaned. And so they had had to fend for themselves in the city of Port-au-Prince, and many of them were bearing the physical um, wounds of what that life had been been for them, but all of them were bearing spiritual and emotional and relational, uh, they were bearing that brokenness really in that space. And so they were invited to share some of their story. And, and for me, one of my commitments has always been that when I'm in a space where someone is being vulnerable and sharing their story, um, that I be willing to in turn uh, model that vulnerability and share my own story of, of healing, that it might serve maybe as an encouragement to them Um, but certainly a leveling of the space that we're in. And so after we shared, it was was painful and difficult uh, to sit there and to um, hold all of that, the raw pain and emotion that was um, being processed. I went back and I wrote these words, and I want to read them from my journal to you. The searing pain of holding space for a tragic story where young women strip bare their very essence with each uttered word. The lowered eyes, hands over faces, sore jaws resolutely set with eyes like flint, still waiting to come to life. All tell me this story being shared is full of common threads that only need to be slightly tugged to feel their interconnectedness. I find myself holding my own breath as each layer of the story unfolds greater brokenness, despair, and exploitation. My own pain feels fresh anew as I understand Me Too knows no barriers of culture, language, or ethnicity. It is a tie that binds women instantly. This shared sisterhood of being treated as an object to be used, broken, and discarded, an unintended gift to awaken resilience and courage and strength and healing. And so we belong to each other, not just in this moment, but forever, because we have known healing in this sacred space. You know, learning to cherish the wound has been one of the great mysteries as I've walked my own healing path. You see, I've been healed by those who hold similar wounds. I have been able to be a part of healing others as I've held a soft space in the front, in a soft space I brought to the front of a circle. It is the great mystery of Christ's sacrifice that it is by his wounds we are healed. And so, friends, we're invited to bear each other's burdens, sometimes only for a moment, but always bolstering hope and courage to take another step. Yes, there's pain in those circles when you face inward with the tender parts of you, but it's worth it when you lock eyes with someone and your souls connect and you see that you're not the only one 
who's walked a healing path, but you actually have company on that journey. You see, our healing is connected to the healing of others. Martin Luther King Jr. talked about it like this in his letter from a Birmingham jail, this network of mutuality. When asked why he even came to Birmingham, because he was from Atlanta, he said this, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. We are tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. This, this, my brothers and sisters, this network of mutuality is what we must explore together, to heal together, to realize that what affects my neighbor also affects me. Practicing sawubana, really seeing the people around us, choosing to put on the lens of empathy, which unlocks healing for everyone. As we see each other, we see the image of God implanted in each one, and we call that out in the people around us. And so together, we move on a healing path toward Christ. This This, my friends, is the great challenge and opportunity before us, for we belong to each other. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, we are grateful for the unity that you model for us, that you invite us into. May you, Holy Spirit, continue to heal us, to heal the brokenness inside of our own hearts, that causes us to respond in anger and frustration and anxiety and fear uh, to the things happening around us. May May you indwell us in such a way that we are able to emote and represent peace, peace that passes understanding as we guard our hearts and our minds and our souls in you. May we, Father, be healing agents of reconciliation We are so grateful for that invitation from you. Will you give us courage and wisdom and strength to model that and live that out in a way that honors you? We love you and we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. darkness falls, it won't prevail Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph Cause my God will never fail Oh my God will never fail Cause I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord And I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord poder en el nombre de Cristo cada quiera que pelea ganará nunca huiré de los gigantes sé cómo terminará sé cómo sé cómo terminará Voy a ver la victoria, la batalla.
take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good And you turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You turn it around You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord Come to the well that never runs dry Drink of the water, come and thirst no more Come all ye sinners, come find His mercy Come to the table, He will satisfy Taste of His goodness what you're looking for For God so loved the world that He gave us His one and only Son to save us Whoever believes in Him will live forever Bring all your failures Come lay them down at the foot of the cross Jesus is waiting there with open arms For God so loved the world that He gave us His one and only Son to save us Whoever believes in Him will live forever
Bring all your failures, bring your addictions Come lay them down at the foot of the cross Jesus is waiting, God so loved the world Thank you so much for leaning in and joining us this weekend. I am truly grateful that we serve a God who sees. He is known as Elroy, the God who sees. He is also a God who heals, Jehovah Rapha. And as a God who sees and a God who heals, he invites all of us into a journey, along a path, not just to a place, to find true healing, alongside the great physician, Jesus. And whenever we're willing to walk alongside him in circles of healthy relationships with others, he leads us into healing. He leads us into wholeness. And my prayer is that you would be holy and whole in all you do, in all your circles of relationships. Thanks for again for leaning into this conversation. And I'm going to continue to pray that you find healing in your individual relationships, in your own life and soul, in your mind, that you would experience the fullness that Jesus has for you. And as we continue next week in wrapping up our Life in Circles conversation, I want to invite you to, to join us in listening in on a conversation that we're going to have in one of our circles of life. Just to listen in to how this journey has impacted some of the folks that that make up this body, that lead us and our staff. And I want to encourage you to make time to be part of that. Until then, my prayer is that you experience the fullness of life that God has for you as you walk in relationship to Jesus, but also sit in the circles of relationships, being willing to have that soft front, but a hard back that preserves the integrity and the intimacy of that circle so that fullness, wholeness can be achieved in all of us through Jesus because of the love of the Father. My friends, have a great week, and we'll see you next weekend.